Thank you for joining the podcast of East Bay Bible Fellowship. We're located at 1361 High Street in the city of Alameda, California. For more information and service times, please visit our website at ebbfellowship.com. That's ebbfellowship.com. Thank you and God bless. So this week we are doing the book of Leviticus. Esta semana hemos entrado al libro de Leviticos. Um, the English name for Leviticus comes from the same sounding Latin name, Leviticus. The name Leviticus uh, also has the very same sounding name in Latin, which is where we get our English version for the name from, which is Leviticus as well. But very early uh, rabbinic sources, also commonly called Leviticus Torah, Kohanim. Um, in Torah, Kohanim uh, literally means the instructions of the priest. And we talked about how last week uh, the word Torah means instruction. Uh, but the, the, the earliest known name for this book, uh, Leviticus in Hebrew, uh, is called Vayikra. Can everyone say Vayikra? Vayikra. Well, Vayikra comes from the very first word that you find in the book of Leviticus. So let's go there. Leviticus 1 and 1. Who can read Leviticus 1 and 1? Can put in their bed? Sister Janelle. And the Lord called unto Moses. All right. We'll stop right there. So they take those first four words. And the Lord called. And the Lord called. Amen. That is in Hebrew, one single word, Vayikra. And that's where they get the word. And the Lord called. Now, uh, this is actually very significant. In my opinion, this is the best title for the book. Why Vayikra? Why the Lord called? ¿Por qué el Señor llamó? Because what you are about to read for the next 27 chapters is God calling on Moses and giving him instructions. So every time we read about uh, the Lord giving Moses instructions, it starts with there, with that. And the Lord called unto Moses. Um, so uh, before we get into what the Lord calls Moses to do and what those instructions are, we have to keep in mind that many of these instructions uh, will appear to us to be totally unreconcilable with our modern ways of thinking. You're going to read stuff in Leviticus that makes no sense to a modern mind. Uh, some people would go as far to say that it is uh, uh, brutal, harsh, sexist, you name it, uh, um, unfair. It's just, if you read it in that context, Leviticus can look very unreconcilable to a modern way of thinking. Uh, but no matter what our views of these instructions may be, fundamentally, fundamentally, they express a very deep longing on the behalf of God to, be clo to close the gap between him and humanity. When you read the reasoning behind all of these laws of purity and impurity and all these things, there's one underlining theme. God wants to be close to his people. And this is a powerful message. It does not matter how you lead up to it. 
The end result is that God wants to live among his people. But people are not what they think they are. All right. We have a very high opinion of ourselves, which God does not hold. At the end, last week we finished Leviticus. And if you look at the infograph that you have, it ends with the tabernacle. We end with the construction of the tabernacle. The, 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 the thing that connects Exodus and Leviticus is the tabernacle. At the end of Exodus, they build the tabernacle. From Leviticus, Leviticus's 27 chapters are how they're supposed to live around the tabernacle. And how they're supposed to make sacrifices in the tabernacle. One of the reasons that life around the tabernacle was so important is because God is holy. Our definition of holy is kind of loose. Yeah. Right? We sing holy, holy in songs and we say things like holy moly and holy cow. And we, we play very loose with the word holy. In the days of the Bible, holy or holiness was very serious. And I'll tell you why. Because when the Bible says that God is holy, it is not only, it is not only depicting a God that is glorious and beyond comprehension. He is also powerful. And that power and that holiness has a destructive edge to it. And when I say destructive, I mean that it will, it will kill people who play with it. Right. 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 And I'm going to be very serious with you. God is still holy that way. Dios todavía es santo de esa manera. I've, seen, I've been in church long enough to tell you. I've played games with God and it's not been pretty. I've seen people play games with God and it's not pretty. In 2017, if you play games with God, it ain't going to go good. If you mess up, repent. <laughs> Just get it right, right away, and you're going to be okay. Somebody shout amen. amen. All right. So the, uh, God, is, God is holy. Everyone say holy. holy. Dios es santo. Todos digan santo. santo. This holiness is a lot like the sun. God's holiness is a lot like the sun in that it serves innumerable benefits to life but at the same time uh, we can't have unfiltered exposure to it 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 will hurt us as much as the sun helps us it can hurt us we need it we got to be careful with it amen Leviticus will use a phrase we all should know by now over and over and over again be ye holy for I am holy what is that saying God is saying I want you to live at a certain level of commitment and observance that will result in a unique lifestyle. Because I am unique. I am unlike anything you know or come in contact with. And I want you to be unlike anything that people know and come in contact with. You are holy. Holy means separate. And God is saying, I am distinct. I am unlike, you be distinct, you be unlike. And in Leviticus, we will later read that they have even dietary laws. Later on, this will actually be, uh, much later on, not in the Bible, much later on, it'll be called kosher, which is the way they season food, the way they cut it, the way they, they, everything. And they eat kosher, they eat kosher, they eat differently. And they still do it to this day. But, That lets you know just how much God wanted his people to be distinct. Even on the most fundamental level. The eating level. This is a big deal. Alright. So as far as Leviticus is concerned. uh, 
The observance and the commitment that God is asking for can only be accomplished through ritual and sacrifice. So, so everyone understands that if, if you believe in a God, that he's like up here, we are here. And in the middle, there's a gap. All religions try to fill that gap in a different way. Jews, Jews, and even today Muslims, the way they try to fill that gap, and even here in the book of Leviticus, is through ritual and sacrifices. God is way up there, we are way down here, He is holy, we are not always holy, and so let's do all these things that helps us, that helps God and us be closer. I'm getting way ahead of myself. The Christian puts Jesus in the middle. We put Jesus in the middle. He is the only and ultimate sacrifice. There's no more need to do things in there. But other religions still do this. Buddhists and and all these people, they're they're constantly doing rituals to fill in this gap. Alright? So, in the book of Leviticus, the way you fill the gap is by ritual and sacrifice. That's how you keep yourself, and you'll, you'll read the phrase over and over and over. Pure, clean. That allows you, whether you're an Israelite or a priest, if you're a priest, to go into the presence of God through the tabernacle. And if you're an Israelite, to live around the presence of God. So how do I become unclean? Well, Leviticus has two kinds, two types of impurities. One is a sin. The other is not sin. I will give you a good example. In Leviticus, there's certain foods you can't eat. Uh, You can't touch blood, dead bodies, and bodily fluids. But as you can tell in all those, you could do any of those unintentionally. Yeah. Yeah. You could do any of that unintentionally. Right? You could could accidentally eat something you're not supposed to. Um, And I'll give you even another example that's hard for us to reconcile. Um, if a woman was pregnant, she had a child, she would be considered unclean. Not sinful, just unclean. That woman has to live outside the community for a certain amount of time. And uh, sometimes it's just a few days and then they're allowed to come back into the community. All right. Now, if they sin, they could be kicked out of the community for longer and then they're allowed back in. Again, again, even there, what we're looking at is a God who is saying, I want to be close to you, but not on any terms. So all God is saying is he's not giving us the credit we want to give ourselves. And that is, well, we would never abuse this. We would never go too far with this. Why can't God just, God is saying, I know how you are. I know how you are. You will do something intentional, call it a mistake. You want two days out instead of seven. We, I, I want to be close, but not on any terms. In all relationships, in todas relaciones, you will notice that at the beginning of the relationship, the standards are always higher. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you're kissing on the first date, that might not be the right person. <laughs> Hallelujah. I should have got an amen on that. Hallelujah. And you don't, you don't just joke with somebody you just meet any old way. Right. Yeah. If, if that's your friend for the, if you're barely making a friendship with somebody, you don't just 
just say, ha ah, and start making fun. Now, when you're really close friends with somebody, you make fun of them all the time. <laughs> all the time. All the time. Yeah? And, and that's not to say that we ever degrade our relationship with God, because we do not. I am here to let you know that the relationship with God does evolve and become more affectionate as we enter into the New Testament. We're almost done. We're, we're going somewhere with all this. Albeit Leviticus is rather technical. From behind all of its prose, there emerges a language that paints the tabernacle as the Garden of Eden. So when you read, Je- when you read Leviticus, you're going to begin to find out that that tabernacle mm-hmm. is like the Garden of Eden. In fact, many of the same words that are used in regard to the Garden of Eden and the phrases are the same words used in the tabernacle. I'll give you some examples. Uh, somebody read Genesis 3 and 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Stop right there. Deuteronomy 23, 14. Who has that? Deuteronomio 23, 14. God walketh in the midst of thy camp. Stop right there. You guys see the the similarities there? What's God doing in both? He's walking where? In the garden, in the camp. Mm -hmm. The the Hebrew word there is mit chaleh. And it it is the exact same verb. It is the exact same phrase. And it's it's literally the the same wording that's used for God walking in the garden with Adam and Eve is the same wording used for God who walks with the children of Israel as they travel throughout the land. And this is why I tell you that in Leviticus, what you are seeing, no matter what, is a God who wants to be in the midst of his people. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. Last but not least, I'll give you one more. Adam's role in the garden also alludes to the same role as the priest in the sanctuary. Genesis 2.15, who has that? Kenny says... And then Numbers 3, 7 through 8. Genesis 2, 15. Kenny says, uh, Ariana. Kenny says, Genesis 2, 15. And the Lord God took Everyone say, took. took. Keep going. The man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress. Everyone say, dress. dress. Okay. Everyone say keep. Keep, keep. Okay, you can stop right there. The two words I want you to look at here are to keep, uh, are to dress and to keep. To dress and to keep. All right, who has uh, numbers three and seven? Numeros tres y siete. And they shall keep his charge. Everyone say keep. Keep. Keep reading. And the charge of the whole congregation before the tabernacle of the congregation to do the service. Everyone say to do. To do. The service of the tabernacle. Keep going, verse 8. And they shall keep. Everyone say keep. Keep. All the instruments of the tabernacle of the congregation and the charge of the children of Israel to do the service of the tabernacle. All right. So there you can see uh, the, the word to dress, that verb in Hebrew is abad. And then to keep is shamar. And then when you go down to Numbers 3 and 7, you see the word keep there again is shamar, to keep. And then again, to do. You see the phrase there, to do, to keep and to do. Uh, The word to do there is abad again. And so literally what it's saying is Adam is the priest. 
Moses is using, remember, Moses is writing backwards. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Right? So Moses gets all these revelations from God, but Moses writes backwards. So when Moses writes about Adam, he's already experienced the tabernacle. He's already helped Aaron and Israel get out of Egypt. And when he writes backwards, he says, Adam is the priest of the garden. And the priests are the keepers, the workers of the tabernacle. And the two are the same. And Moses' mind. In fact, here's the beautiful part. The garden. The tabernacle, the gospel, all of them only have one way in. Yeah, right. right. Mm, that's good. You'll remember even when God kicks Adam and Eve out of the garden, he puts one angel. Yeah. Not ten, because there was only one way in. Yeah. The tabernacle only had one way in. And the gospel says in Ephesians 4 and 4, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, only one way in. Amen. We're seeing here these parallel languages. And I could go on for days. For days. The, the tabernacle always faces east. The garden was facing east. Right. I mean, it's, it's beautiful, really. Yeah. But again, when we're talking about Genesis or Leviticus, what are we seeing? A God who wants to live. Yeah. So here's the big picture. And we're, we're closing. Entonces aquí estamos. Ya estamos llegando al fin de todo esto. There's something that happens thousands of years later. Israel lives by these sacrifices, by these rituals for, for thousands of years. All of a sudden, something amazing happens. There's a prophet. His name is Isaiah. Hands down, the most messianic prophet there is. It is Isaiah who writes Isaiah 9.6. And who tells us that God will come as a man. And his name shall be the everlasting one. This is Isaiah. But one day Isaiah gets into the presence of God. And what's he say? Holy, holy, holy. But after saying those words, he recognizes something. I am not holy, holy, holy. Uh And he says, I am unclean. And according to Leviticus, when you are unclean, you are not allowed in the holy, holy, holy place. But something powerful happens. The holy God commands an angel to touch the unholy man. And this time, he does not die. He touches the son and doesn't die. The opposite happens. He becomes clean. In fact, the angel tells him, your guilt is forgiven and you are atoned in Hebrew. It literally uses the word atoned. Atoned, you break that word up at one. Atoned, at one. You are now at one with God. Yeah. He's made clean. He's made clean. And for the first time, God now is cleansing the people rather than the people cleansing themselves. And this all comes to a climax in Jesus Christ. Because when Jesus arrives, when Jesus arrives, God manifested in the flesh... He does everything that you're not supposed to do in Leviticus. He touches people with blood issues. He touches dead people. He touches people with skin diseases. He touches pregnant women. He touches everything. And and do they die? No. No. 
they're healed, they're made whole, they're made alive. They're brought back to life in some cases. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden, the holy God is now in the presence of unholy men. And he is not afraid of them. And they don't need to be afraid of him. And he is now, he is purifying. And he is cleansing. And he himself is not becoming defiled by touching them. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. He, is the, he is the highest of all priests. Amen. Amen. And Jesus says these powerful words. The son of man. Did not come to destroy men's lives. He came to save men's lives. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is beautiful. Amen. This is wonderful. What we are seeing throughout the whole Bible, believe it or not, in a very poetic sense, but it's there. It's a very strong poetic thread. Is God trying to get us back into the garden? Because when we get to heaven, the book of Revelations is very clear. That the tree of life is there. Yeah. Right. And we will eat from it. Amen. Mm-hmm. Praise God. And, and God comes to earth to walk us back into the garden. Yeah. And he says, I have prepared a place for you. A dwelling place, a tabernacle, a garden. Hallelujah. Amen. And so we're going back to the garden. Amen. Hallelujah. We're not there quite yet. Just look outside.